Welcome to episode two of uh, Get the Word with Mike and Alexandra. Get the word! Get the word. And uh, today we're going to talk about manure and dung. I'm starting to... It is pretty gross, uh, but actually I just realized um, that I'm going to make two Seinfeld references today. Uh, There's an episode of Seinfeld when George talks about the word manure and how beautiful it sounds, uh, and I agree with him. Um, Dung, not as much. I don't... That's That's not That's what you think. Well, okay, yeah. That's... It's not a pleasant-sounding word to me, but you did dung. I did manure. Uh, Maybe you found some some interesting things that make it um, a little bit more appealing. Um, So... I wanted to start with just the basic definition of uh, both of these words. Um, I think I went first last time. We're still kind of getting the swing of uh, in, into the swing of, of this, so why don't we mix it up? How about you go first? Uh, I'll explain just real quick what manure is, uh, in case anybody doesn't know. Uh, basically, it's organic matter that is used as organic fertilizer and agri- agriculture. All organic matter used as fertilizer in agriculture? No, it's a very basic definition. I mean, you could also just say that it is um, dung or compost. So we so should. So compost counts as manure? Yes. Dung or compost used as fertilizer, any substance, especially the excrement of livestock, added to the soil to render it more fertile. Huh. So that's a definition from two different sources. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting once we get into this. And so how would you define dung? It's pretty simple. The definition I found was essentially one word. Excrement. Uh, excrement, which is poop. Feces. Which is poop, yes. And okay. then it says especially of animals. Semicolon manure. Something filthy. Something filthy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's there's overlap between these two words, and that's probably what we're going to stick with. Last week, we did homage and tribute. And so those are also, we could say synonyms. Um, based on the definitions that you just read uh, of dung, then I, I would argue that manure and dung could be synonyms. Because it used the word manure in the in the definition, right? Okay, so they're both having to do often with animal excrement. <laughs> do you want to go first? Do you want to uh, tell me what you have on sure. dung? Sure, dung. Uh, dung is a pretty old word. Uh, and I'll be real honest, I thought this was going to be a lot of information, really fascinating, a real deep dive into dung, if you will. Mm. Uh, <laughs> That's never something I would never want to do. <laughs> um, and not so much, actually. A lot of the information was a bit hard to sift through, um, almost seemingly contradictory, or there's some holes in it. Uh, and... I, I think I found some stuff, but you kept bragging about how fascinating manure was. Well, it's interesting that you, 
it, I'm starting to realize doing these deep dives in etymology that there really is a lot of um, unknowns to it. And I'm going to talk about what um, Proto-Indo-European means okay. today, yeah. uh, because I think we're going to be talking about that a lot. Because, uh, well, I'll just define it right now. It's bottom, bottom line, it is um, the unrecorded language from which Indo-European languages are hypothesized to derive. So I'm going to go into um, some of the possible hypothesized sources. But, you know, we talked about last time how you, it, uh, so many words in English are traced back to Latin, and you're like, what comes before Latin? It's like, I, I think bottom line, there wasn't a lot of recorded information before a certain period of time. Would you... I don't know enough about it. Okay. Uh, exactly. Obviously, the written record is something that varies from place to place. And um, But I wanted to point something out in your definition or ask, actually ask you a question to make it a little bit clearer for any listeners. Um, what area roughly or language areas would Proto-Indo-European encompass? It is uh, Europe and then I read... Parts of Asia, but not uh, East, East Asia. Um, I want to say the cutoff would be um, India. And, 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 and I mean, these words are in the Oxford Dictionary. Um, and I could tell you right now, because that was definitely part of the definition that I looked at earlier. Um, relating to the family of languages spoken over the greater part of Europe and Asia as far as northern India. So um, I think it's indicating that there is uh, like kind of a cutoff and there it could be maybe like, I mean, so many factors like mountainous regions that divide Asia. Um, but I think that that that's a specific region for a purpose that, you know, that whole area were able it was able to to share uh, different languages and we only have a limited knowledge of um, some of those unrecorded languages, which is fascinating to me. And part of, part of what you researched, um, well, you were talking about, so we're not sharing each other's information. That's part of what we're trying to do here. But you did mention something about, um, the word in Korean. Are Don't you give it away. Okay, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop stealing my thunder. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ugh. Um, but the, okay, okay, well, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm really curious to see what you found out about because I know at least um, just in preparing this, uh, uh, the two words, I saw the quick etymology of um, dung and, and so much of it is European. And mm -hmm. so, like, and that's, you know, Korea's way over, you know, the coastal um, eastern part I of Asia. I told you so. to not steal my thunder. <laughs> you keep talking okay. about okay. it. <laughs> no, I'm just getting the audience hyped up and excited for what you had to say. So what kind of... Uh, Air lay horn <laughs> Lay the dung on us, please. Okay. Ew. No. Um, so, I, I mean, I think I kind of gave away, though the uh, the answer to what you're asking about with when we were talking earlier about Korean word for poop. Um, when I said, yeah, the information was patchy and not terribly easy to cobble together. 
so dung existed before 1000 AD. Hmm. Uh, some version of it. Um, and then edimonline.com, uh, they claim that the meaning of animal excrement uh, started from about the late 13th century, so the late 1200s onwards, you get the meaning of animal excrement, at least that they can trace to. Obviously, it could have been before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole issue of the written record, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the lineage is a little convoluted. Um, so I'll go from most recent or perhaps the most uh, immediate to our usage on backwards, um, dung traces to the Old English dung. Oh, it's the same word. Whoa. Um, and it had two meanings. Mm-hmm. Uh, manure, decayed matter used to fertilize soil. Uh, and it also had prison. Okay. What'd you find out about that? I'll get there. Okay. <laughs> uh, from there, then you go to the Old German or Old High German, uh, and also some of the other, uh, well, I guess German isn't Scandinavian, but some of the Scandinavian languages. Um, and you have a few different versions that relate to dung, at least, I don't know, I guess I don't know if it's proved or not, but according to all these different etymology sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one I have is Tunk? Tunk? I guess if I were really being German, I'd be Tunk. So that's a German word? And, and well, very old ger- high German. Old high, <laughs> any, any of our old high German listen- <laughs> listeners, I write in and... and You're not so- supposed to ask people those questions, whether okay. they're old and high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, T-U-N-C. And that means a cellar roofed with dung for warmth. Ew. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and also from Proto-Germanic, I have, I'm going to say it German way, Dungo. <laughs> Dungo. D-U-N-G-O. Um, meaning manure. Um, I have another version of Tunk, which is Tunga, T-U-N-G-A, manuring, Tung, underground room covered with manure. Uh, German Dung. Old Norse, which I don't know how to pronounce. Wait, so, so, so like three of these so far have been German. So yeah, there's a whole family of these uh, dung-related words in the Germanic languages. Huh. So, yeah. Huh. So, I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that excrement is so often um, a word that becomes a naughty word, a swear word, um, and... At I, least, at least in English, um, there are so many different words for that thing. Yeah, um, I also think that's one of the first things you ask or learn in another language is "Donde está el baño?" Like, where is the bathroom? You know, I need like I need to use the restroom. <laughs> I, that's one of the very, uh, I would say, universal facets of human experience, like death. It's something that everybody does. Right. I mean, okay. isn't there a book? Everybody uh, poops. Everybody poops. <laughs> um, but I guess, I mean, has dung in your research, did you find, was it always about animal excrement and not necessarily like human hmm. waste? Uh, 
I think it was, as far as I could tell, always about animal excrement and its use. Mm-hmm. Um, the Old Norse version, heap of manure, or n- women's apartment. And I, oh, no. have, I oh, no. have no idea where that where that came <laughs> can, from or can, went to. Right. Uh, and I think I made I made this comment to Mike earlier when I said that someone could, or maybe someone did, write a dissertation on the history of dung because there are so many weird little side roads, but a lot of at least incl- incomplete publicly easily accessible information out there. I didn't go into mm-hmm, the university mm-hmm, library. Mm-hmm. I guess I could have found more stuff if I'd been willing to read a lot of primary sources, but... So you didn't write a dissertation on No, on no. no. Okay. I'm not trained in linguistics <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have... So all the Proto-Germanic stuff. Um, and then we get to the Proto-Indo-European, which is the furthest away from dung that we use today in the English language. Which is what I um, defined earlier, the unrecorded language. Um, I feel like it should... Okay, so it's considered a language from which all Indo-European languages are hypothesized to derive, um, which I guess is still kind of confusing to me because wouldn't it just be... Couldn't you just argue that all those languages that don't have much of a written record are collectively... Proto-Indo-European. I'm just wondering why it says it's it lists as, as a language, but who is who is actually speaking that language? It's a collection of languages. I'm just I think I'm just thinking about it too much. It's a weird uh, definition. If I were a linguist, I could answer this a lot better. Um, I know that there's like, there's a lot of theory and st- stuff that goes into trying to reconstruct the path of languages through space and time. Um, well, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I'm, I'm just correcting myself. There is a way to use language that's not a countable noun, you know, and I think that's probably how they're, they're phrasing it, you know, because the most basic definition as a mass noun of language is the method of human communication. So it's just saying this is a method of human communication that's, that's kind of not recorded. And it's a collection. Yes. Right. I don't know if it's a collection or if it's a unified-ish language. It's it's. I'm positive that it's not because I'm going to get into, um, like I said earlier, some of the possible hypothesized sources of my word of manure. So okay. 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 All right. What hmm. else you got? My little wheels are turning, but. Okay. I'll have to save that for another time. Um, okay. So Proto-Indo-European, Deng, D-H-E-N-G, hyphen, or dash, um, meaning to cover, perhaps to spread or cover with dung as in fertilizing or covering. Is that a, so a verb? Verb use? It seems like it's been both verb and, well, no, I think it is just a verb. I think covering is the act. It's not a gerund. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's real patchy out there. <laughs> um, 
So we go from to cover or covering all the way to excrement. Mm. Wild. Um, and so the best link that I could find about why we move from deng, which is to cover, to dung, which is poop, uh, was edimonline.com has this quote. The word recalls the ancient Germanic custom, reported by Tacitus, of covering underground shelters with manure to keep in warmth in winter. Wow. So that also goes back to, um, I told you about that old high German tunk, uh, cellar roofed with dung for warmth. And I assume that that has something to do with why it's related to a women's apartment or women's wow, so room. Let me it's, see if I can imagine this. Um, like, it's cold, it's up north in the Scandinavian region, and they're like, oh man, we got to tunk our, our underground structure here. You got to like, tunk your tunk. I, I mean, maybe if it, if it was being used as a verb or like, but like, if I'm understanding correctly, it did refer to that, the, like the covered roof um, and I, not just the excrement itself. I think that it started with, I mean, I meant to cover, right? Hmm. To cover, uh, and then people were covering maybe some kind of pit houses or something with dung, particularly in, or I guess I shouldn't say dung yet. They were covering their houses with animal excrement uh, in winter to help keep them warm, you know, adding insulation. And I guess if it's fresh, it's going to add heat too. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I think that you could see how the the verb to cover then um, slides into cover with manure, slides right. into manure or excrement, I guess right. I should say. Um, and to bring it all the way back around, we get back to dungeon, right? Oh. So remember when I said that Old English dung was also prison. So it's not a far cry right. if you're talking about like these pits or pit homes uh, that you're calling tunks or dungs to also have that usage be uh, translated into a prison. And then so uh, eventually when you have, uh, you know, bigger buildings, um, castles and so forth, and you want to talk about where you throw your... Like the worst of the worst? The worst of the worst, but then I was like, also the peasant that pissed you off. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very relative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But But where, you know, if you wanted to throw people away, so to speak, and imprison them, uh, they created the word, or the word, I guess it wasn't created, it evolved, the word dungeon. Uh, So it's from the Middle English dungeon. There are a few different spellings. Uh, a castle keep or a prison cell below the castle, a dungeon, a pit, abyss. And it's apparently a merger of the old French, donjon, mm. D-O-N-J-O-N, and old English dung, a subterranean chamber, prison, a dungeon. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, I c- there were a couple of other 
words of note or phrases of note I thought would be kind of fun to sprinkle in with yeah. dung. Uh, one is our favorite little animal, the dung beetle, right. which you promised right, right, me I would right. see here and I haven't seen. Well, we've been keeping the cows out of the yeah. property. Yeah, you kept but the cows out. There's a, there's a season for them, I promise. They'll be around. Okay. Well, so the dung beetle, if you didn't know, it's a common name of beetles which roll up balls of dung. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it start, that common name, I think, starts around the 1630s. Oh, wow. Uh, and there is an old English word for it before dung beetle evolved. And actually, the word beetle has its own interesting etymology, but maybe we'll leave that for another time. Yeah. Uh, the old English word for it was tordviffel, or yeah. turd. Weevil. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was kind of hilarious. You toured Viffle. Uh, and then the other one is I found um, a, a page on, oh yeah, ANU's website, Australia National University. I okay. Think. The meanings and origins of Australian words and idioms. So some Australian slang and colloquialisms. And on there was Dunny. Um. And, which means a toilet. Uh, And I'm just going to read some of what they said. The dunny was originally any outside toilet. Uh, In cities and towns, the pan-type dunny was emptied by the dunny man, who came round (laughs) regularly with his dunny cart. Dunny can now be used for any toilet. The word comes from British dialect dunnikin, meaning an earth closet outside Earth privy closet. from dung plus ken house so dung you get that kind of privy excrement sense and then ken k-e-n house a dunnikin uh, i was first oh. recorded in the 1930s but dunnikin is attested in australian sources from the 1840s so i thought that was interesting um and it uh I also went through some kind of dead ends with this uh I mean I had to I searched far and wide I had to kind of tweak the search terms to see if I could f- attack this word from a few different ways obviously I found some stuff uh one was someone pointed out the word done d u n oh d u n d u n uh, meaning a brownish color. It's kind of like a really bland, brownish, oh, gray, kind of mousy color, right? All right, yep. Co- done colored. I thought I was going to be able to handle this conversation easily, but... Why? I thought I was. Well, what, what's wrong? Well, what, what do you think of with a brownish... Uh, well, go on, go on. Brownish, gray. I'm getting just a, a bit grossed out. I, I... Poop is brown. Yeah, and that was what their point was. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, maybe this is related to uh, dung, or dung came from done. Um, and so the other interesting thing is that's done, the brown color, is where Duncan comes from, according to this source I read, which means brown warrior. Also, oh. donkey. But, and this is where I think it gets into what we we're talking about with the Proto Indo European. And then the th- 
uh, other proto-languages that came after the Proto-Indo-European or are subgroups of the Proto-Indo-European. Dun is attributed to being Proto-Celtic, not in that Germanic uh, family that we were mm. talking about with Dung and Tunk and Tunga and all of those things. Um, yeah, yeah. So did Dun come from Deng, which is to cover? And then was that practice of covering with manure some a, a meaning that was already existing within the proto-indo-european sense i don't know but um that was that was just kind of a dead end that i didn't follow any further because repeated sources said dun was proto-celtic and it didn't seem to have any link to these other yeah. germanic words yeah and perhaps somebody is as uh you know really dived deeply into into that but um we'd have to go much deeper yes yeah i told you dissertation yeah. topic yeah fascinating yeah. Yeah. one last thing that i thought was kind of funny that i found wasn't helpful uh was a gong farmer mm. you can look gong farmer up on wikipedia that's where i ran across it i thought oh maybe gong something to do with dung uh a gong farmer uh, also gong firmer, gong firmer, gong fair, gong fower, gong scourer, oh. was a term, and this is a quote, that entered use in Tudor England to describe someone who dug out and removed human excrement from privies and cesspits. Wow. And that, the, a gong? Uh, the word gong was used for both a privy and its contents. As the work was considered unclean and off-putting to the public, gong farmers were only allowed to work at night. Hence, they were sometimes known as nightmen. Yeah, I've heard of that. The waste they collected, known as night soil, right. had to be taken outside the city or town boundary or to official dumps for disposal. And so uh, they say that gong is derived from the old English Gang, and I'm it says gang, G A N G, but mm -hmm. I assume that is probably gang. I'm saying it kind of more in the German pronunciation. Mm -hmm. It makes more sense for it to be gong from gang, which means to go. Oh, yeah, right. oops, oops, I just knocked the mic, oh. right? Okay, yeah, yeah. right. Um, and I have to go, yeah, I have to go. I mean. I have to, to the I have to go, <laughs> I have to go to go. Um, but what is really funny, uh, which I know from all those German lessons I took as a kid, that gang or gangen is to go in German. So it might have been old English, but it is also modern German. And that is all. That's all I got. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, 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 and the more that... Um... I think about what we're doing here. Um, of course, this, as I've said before, it's it's definitely going to be um, a challenge for some of my more intermediate students. Uh, but any of my learners who are more advanced, who are from uh, any of these parts of the world that we're talking about, you know, it's a great opportunity uh, to reach out to the podcast and 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 share your insight if you have any. Um, so is that everything that you have on dung 
Well, if we haven't scared you off yet by being nauseous from all this talk, yeah, I yeah. hope you weren't eating while you were listening. Uh, I actually, so I did want to circle back to Korean. Yeah, right? I was hoping you would. Yeah. Uh, I didn't write anything in my notes about Korean because when I went and looked into Korean, so in Korea, the word for poop is dong. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that it seemed mind-boggling, and, oh, they must be linked. Um, but Korea is far away from that Proto-Indo-European group of languages. And yeah, from so, what I can gather, that's right. cut off as India. Yep. Right. Um, and when I looked it up, um, old, old Korean, like, I guess proto-Korean. I closed the tab, so I can't read it right now. Um, it's it's unclear exactly how it developed, or it's uh, oh, they called it a language isolate. So it uh, you know Korea is this little peninsula, super mountainous. So I guess it's kind of easy to see until um, the Chinese and Japanese started to travel more there and influence there, like the really old Korean pre. Uh, Sino and Japanese influence hmm. um, would have been isolated, and yet from somewhere in there, and that's where they believe Tong came from was uh, from that family, I believe. Well, that's uh, that fascinates me to no end, and this is only the second episode of uh, Get the Word, and we're already making. Uh, these observations, and we we talked about um, off off mic at some some point how it's shockingly similar the words for mother and father uh, across the world in in totally isolated areas with no seeming seemingly no contact, um, but somehow very similar words for mother, father, maternal, paternal. Um, these roots that um, I assume in English um, are from Latin, um, and but you told me the the words for mother and father in uh, in Korean, opa and oma. Oma, opa. Okay. So is that? Well, I I guess we'll save that for another. Maybe we'll do a couple of episodes just on uh, those. You know seemingly isolated um words that that somehow have you know pretty similar uh you know sounds so um you're you're typing away you're looking at something anything else to add i just wanted to double check and make sure that what i said because i was i hadn't written notes i just was trying to make sure that i was accurate in what i said right um and i'm not Okay, of Middle Korean. Okay, so Tong is of Middle Korean origin. Um, sorry, so not from Old Korean. So, yeah, but maybe we should we'll take do a, a deep dive into Korea at some point and get yeah. my mom here. Well, that'd be great. That would be great. Yeah, so you, you, you spent years in Korea. Um and uh, you're at half Korean. Your mother's from Korea, so um, I would I think that would be 
And they named me great. after an Amazon device. Yep. Which was the <laughs> style at the time. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, Back oh, in the 80s. <laughs> so it is getting pretty hot. We're going to take a break and uh, uh, we'll return with manure. It's Mike, your host of Get the Word, an etymology podcast for word nerds. We'll talk about the history and origin of words in English. If you're coming over from the English sessions, well, then I'll give you an even bigger welcome, loyal listener. The English Sessions is the podcast I've been doing for a while now for English learners and, and is where Get the Word was first conceived. I decided to make Get the Word its own podcast since I started to realize I was making content more for native speakers with these etymology episodes, which seemed to warrant its own feed. Don't worry, though. For those of you who are English learners, there will still be transcripts of the episodes on the website. Look for details in the show notes. Get the Word, an etymology podcast for word nerds. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Mike here. I want to pause for a moment to talk about how you can help the English sessions to continue. If you'd like to support the English sessions, then please go to anchor.fm slash the English sessions. There, you can click on the support button and make a monthly contribution to the English sessions to keep this podcast going. You can support the English sessions for less than one U.S. dollar. Every bit helps. Also, remember, go to www.englishsessionswithmike.com if you are interested in private lessons with me, Mike. Thank you all for supporting this podcast. And we're back. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, this is another episode of Get the Word that is being released uh, to the general public. We are going to release uh, specific episodes only for the my Patreon supporters. So if you're interested in becoming a supporter of... Uh, the podcast of the English Sessions and Get the Word, go to www.patreon.com slash the English Sessions. I will uh, spell that out a little bit for you. It's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the English Sessions. And just for, for five U.S. dollars uh, per month, you can uh, gain access to extra content, including episodes of Get the Word, but also of some uh, sessions that I have with my learners. Um, one of my students and I are preparing for uh, his IELTS exam, so there is some information there, and, and, and much more, including uh, episodes of the English sessions without any advertising. So, Again, go to patreon.com slash the English sessions and become a member. There is just one tier, T-I-E-R, right? Oh, phew. 
Because you learn I before E except after C, but there's one of those exceptions. No, it's not an exception. I before E except after C. So that, <laughs> never mind. Uh, it's too hot. So um, there is a tier. It's just $5 per month, and you get... Uh, all of this content, five U.S. dollars. Uh, I'm sure it's just converted converted right over to your currency. If you have any questions, though, if it's uh, a complicated process in any way, and you are interested, then just reach out to me, and I will help. I can help you, uh, Mike at English Sessions dot with Mike, Mike at English Sessions with Mike dot com. Okay, that's really confusing. Is it? Do I need to change it? No, it's too late. You already said is it, it because, on air. Is it because it's my name on Twice. both ends of it? Yeah. yeah. You, it's like a palindrome of a email address. Ooh, do you feel like uh, defining what a palindrome is? No. No, okay. Is that where it's at, like a word like auto and it's spelled the same way? Like Forwards if you reverse and backwards, it? Okay. yeah. Or I guess uh, a more common one would be... Uh, Dad, <laughs> mom. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, there, there are those are palindromes, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about manure. Um, I talked about, I gave the definition earlier. Manure is organic matter, typically, even though I did look at some things where uh, inorganic matter was uh, labeled as fertilize uh, as manure. Um, but we did ta- we talked earlier. It's not always just. Uh, animal excrement and that blows my mind i grew up thinking manure was large animal Mm -hmm. poop right and um it doesn't necessarily have to be and once poop's a palindrome yeah it is (laughs) so once i get into uh the history of the word it, it may make more a little bit more sense um okay so how we normally use it um today that the noun we typically use it as a noun and it and that um use started to uh be used post 14 excuse me post 1540 and that's a very important date i'll talk about uh a little bit later so uh the 1540s and uh into the present it is uh as i said before dung or compost used as fertilizer or any substance, especially the excrement of livestock, added to the soil to render it more fertile. So it's beneficial to the soil. Typically, um, there are certain animals uh, whose whose excrement you should not use on plants, and I'll get into that too. Um, so it does date back farther back than that, though. Um, the verb is dated back at least to the, the 13th century, um, and one of its first meanings was just to cultivate, to cultivate land or a garden by manual labor. So that that connection um, is important. Um, I'll talk about other words that have the M-A-N. Um, typically the first um, syllable of the word. Um, also, the verb manure can also be to hold property. Um, and it, from the Anglo-French, um, and I don't know how to pronounce this, it, I'll spell it out, M-E-Y-N-O-V, 
E-R-E-R, which, um, yes, it looks like maneuver, uh, and there is a connection there. So um, the old French uh, M-A-N-O-V-R-E-R, which is, again, it kind of looks like maneuver, um, means to work with the hands to cultivate, to carry out, to make, to produce. Uh, so again, from originally, uh, initially from French, that sounds much, much like maneuver. Maimnouvre um, is my best attempt. Maim, okay. Say it again. No, I won't. But um, I, I, some of my uh, listeners already know that my second language that I'm learning is Spanish. Uh, the word in Spanish for hands is manos. Um, and so I was fascinated to start picking apart, just doing quick uh, etymology searches for so many words that start with M-A-N. Maneuver, manipulate, uh, manual. They all have to do with uh, hands. Mandate? Probably. We can check right now. I was hoping that you would think of some other examples. Mansplaining. Uh, mansplaining. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so, well, we won't, we won't get into that. I won't, I won't have to... I mean, I won't try to explain that to you right now, what that means. Um, Latin... Um, Okay, mandate, mandatum, um, something commanded, neutered past participle of mandar or mandare, um, from manos, hand. Mm -hmm. So hand plus give. Mm. Mandate is hand and give. Mm. And okay, so let's talk more about hand and in the history of, uh, I guess, the significance of that part of the human body. Um, or more broadly, you know, what it can represent. Um, so I mentioned earlier um, Proto-European, a Proto-Indo-European uh, history of this word. So I just explained the use of it from the thir- uh, 13th century um, forward with its uh, French and Anglo-French roots. Now, if we try to dive more deeply into... Um, hypothesized sources that are proto-Indo-European, we have this. We have from the Hittite um, word, which means to distribute or entrust. Again, I'm not, I have no idea how to, uh, I mean, I had to look up what the Hittite uh, civilization was because it was so long ago and it seems um, relatively brief. Um, I know it's very significant, but... (laughs) I'll do more research at some other point, but it's spelled M-A-N-I-I-A-H-H. Um, but also Greek, M-A-N-E, maybe mané. I don't know how to um, exactly pronounce Greek, Greek, but that mean that word means hand. Latin manos, um, hand, or strength, or power over, or armed force, or handwriting. Um, you could you could uh, translate um, manos as from Latin. And so it's really interesting, the, the association with strength. A couple of other, uh, I, just, I, I, won't, I won't go through every single one of these, but there are also um, possible Old, Old Norse, Old Irish, German. Um, tell me how this would be translated in German, V-O-R-M-U-N-D, or not translated. Vormund. Well, okay, how you say it is what I meant. So, yeah, okay, I do you know that word? Well, according to uh, my my research, it's it, it can translate as guardian, which uh, was a dead end for me. I, I I can't explain that one. Um, 
okay, so there are all these possible uh, pro-Indo-European um, influences on the word. Um, I want to focus more specifically on power. We have certain... Um, we have certain phrases in modern English, uh, like something is in your hands. You have the power to do it. It's in your hands. Um, or to, I wrote down, give them hand. Um, and you're giving me the furrowed brow. Um, and I, so I had a feeling like, I know I've talked about before, language is always changing. Um, I want to talk about using hand in a way that probably is m- much more um, modern use of it because it comes from Seinfeld. But before anybody laughs, um, that show had such a significant impact on the culture uh, in the United States that a lot of the phrases and even I think the one I'm going to explain right now, um, you could argue is even maybe a new use of hand. Um, so there's an episode, they're talking about upper hand. Um, if we explain, like, how would you define upper hand? Like when you have the upper hand, you have the advantage, right? Okay. And we say the upper hand. Um, I, I almost like visualize it. I don't know if it has anything to do with literally like a, a hand over another hand. Um, but there's a clear, in my mind, like I imagine hand, like as a countable noun, we have two hands, but I want to read a definition from the SeinfeldDictionary.com. Um, so this is, uh, I'm really nerding out here, um, but this is the definition of hand in the Seinfeld world. One who has the upper hand in a relationship, but also the person who doesn't have the upper hand is said to have no hand. Um, one way to get hand is by executing uh, ex- excuse me, executing a preemptive breakup. Um, there, I know you're not a Seinfeld fan, but like so many episodes are about relationships and all that. Um, but let me read this quote to you and tell me if you think it's a very bizarre way to use the word hand and what's different about it. So we have Jerry saying, we all want the hand. Hand is tough to get. You got to get the hand from the opening opening of a relationship we assume and then and then george says jerry let me tell you something a man without hand is not a man i got so much hand i'm coming out of my gloves that makes no sense to me you're over there just (laughs) cracking up laughing wheezing laughing and i'm looking at you like you're a crazy person because it makes no sense well they're talking about um like, uh, George feels that he doesn't have the upper hand in his relationship. He doesn't have, like, the power in the relationship. Um, he, he He's not, like, the dominating one in the relationship uh, or, like, the one whose decisions are being validated, I guess. Um, and so, but they're using it in a way that I would argue is not a countable noun, which is really interesting because hand, like it's part of our body. We count it every, I mean, we see our hands every day, um, but you can get hand. Um, I have so much, I got so much, I have so much hand. And if everybody refers back to, I think it's like episode 10, we talk, we talk about much and many, we use much with nouns that we do not count. So he has so much hand, he's coming out of his gloves. No. 
no, no, it's not funny, or is it still confusing in the use of it? Just no. Okay. Well, <laughs> bottom line, I wanted to mention that because um, Seinfeld did have um, a huge impact on our culture back in the 90s. Apparently not big enough on me, at least. Well, were you even in the States in the 90s? Part of it. You were in Korea until, what, like mid-90s? No, I was... Well, yeah. We don't have to talk about that, but... Okay. I, I'm part of the 90s. A good part of the 90s, I was in the States. Okay. But we were not a Seinfeld-watching household. Yeah. And I, I'm from the East Coast, so maybe that yeah. has something to do with it. But, it could be. Um, anyway... We'll move on from Seinfeld. I wanted to to talk about 1540 again. 1540, if you remember, that's the year um, that they speculate is is when we started seeing the the word um, manure, which again was originally just to cultivate land or hold property or rule, start being used as excrements. Or something that's used as a fertilizer, typically excrement, and and, and becomes a more use of a, a noun use, starting 1540. So I was so curious, like, what was happening um, in 1540 in Europe? If we look specifically um, at England, that was during the rule of Henry VIII. And so I have a very interesting... Um, dive into history, if, if you will... Uh, allow me to do so. Um, Henry VIII was um, pretty famous, you know, one of the more famous uh, rulers, I would say, in he, European history. He had a classic oldie song. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> you don't know the song? Let's sing it for us, please. I'm Henry VIII, I am, Henry VIII, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everyone wasn't Henry. Wouldn't have a Willie or a Sam or bum, a Sam. Bum, bum. Or maybe some other name. I'm a right old man named Henry, Henry VIII, I am. Never heard that in my life. <laughs> and you're the musician. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Showing how how much more cultured you are than I am, I guess. And I never watched Seinfeld. (laughs) Okay, um, so Henry VIII, um, yeah, he he was famous for being a a bigger man, very extravagant man, a lot of wives, right? Because he kept wanting a son, if I remember uh, history correctly. Um, So the period between 1536 and 1540 in um, in England was uh, a period known as the dissolution of the monasteries. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. Okay, so King Henry VIII um, in 1536 took away the land and money that the nuns and monks of the Roman Catholic Church owned. Oh, I remember that from history, yeah. Okay, so he then gave this land and money to people that supported him. So um, at this time... um, he wanted to get a divorce, but he was refused by the Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, and this made him mad. And he decided to create his own religion, the Church of England. Fascinating. So um, that all starts at this exact same time. And I want to read a little bit more about this. Um, okay, so Henry VIII wished to divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, um, 
who had failed to give him a male heir. Um, this is from history-uk.com. When the Pope refused to grant the divorce, Henry set up the Church of England, the Act of Supremacy. The Act of Supremacy in 1534 confirmed the break from Rome, declaring Henry to be the supreme head of the Church of England. Oh, my God. I mean, talk about, like, holding a grudge against... I mean, I'm, there's so much more to it, but, um, I mean, from what I can gather, like he resented the fact that the Pope, you know, said, no, no, you can't divorce this woman. Um, But, I mean, there were so many other reasons and advantages to him. I want to read just a little bit more from uh, this this source um, from history-uk.com. The monasteries were a reminder of the power of the Catholic Church. It was also true that the monasteries were the wealthiest institutions in the country and Henry's lifestyle along with his wars had led to a lack of money. Monasteries owned over a quarter of the cultivated land in England. By destroying the monastic system, Henry could acquire all of its wealth and property whilst removing its papist influence. So what a huge shift in, uh, in, in, in history in, in England. Um, so I, I kept, you know, finding this incredibly significant event um, that that coincided with um, the term manure shifting uh, in its meaning. And while I can't make any specific or very concise connections, I did find a source um, um, from British history. I, I'll, I'll I'll include all of these links. Um, this is specifically from a history of the county of uh, Shropshire, Shropshire, S H R O P S H I R E. Shropshire. Shropshire. Okay. Um, we'll go with Shropshire. If anybody wants to yell at me, right into the podcast, Mike at English Sessions. You can Mike. record com. yourself yelling actually on his website. You can. Yes, leave a message for me yelling at me. Uh, for my pronunciation. So this is specifically about the county of Shropshire, um, but I, I just want to read a, a little bit from this because I think it, it can help us to possibly gain insight um, on why a word like sh- this might be shifting in meaning with such a huge shift in the society. Okay, so the period between the dissolution of the monasteries, again, from uh, 1534 to 1540, and the middle of the 18th century was an important one for the development of Shropshire agriculture, as it was also nationally. So they are saying this was happening all across um, uh, uh, England as well. There were vast changes in land ownership. Many estates, especially in the first half of the period, were run more profitably. Shropshire farmers became more commercially minded and specialized in producing those commodities best suited to the areas where they worked. The growth of dairy farming on the North Shropshire Plain is particularly noteworthy, but other livestock and mixed farming enterprises developed elsewhere in the country. Uh, In my opinion... Based on my research, what I just read, it seems like there was a lot of uh, changes in agriculture and a lot of potentially more um, livestock and uh, more in the hands of uh, people outside of monasteries, which I think could easily shape language and how we're using it. Um, So, I thought that was fascinating. 
Um, okay. I have a little bit more, and it's mainly just uh, interesting facts. Okay, I just want to end on some interesting facts that I found. Um, you can find the source from this in our notes. Uh, just to remind everyone that dried manure is also sometimes used as fuel. Um, often you'll see uh, the cow dung, so so um, the excrement from cows, um, used as a fuel source in places like India, and then also uh, camel dung in more uh, arid regions of the world. And then this was interesting. Uh, the Oregon Trail, which, uh, to remind my, my, my listeners, was uh, the journey out west from the east in the United States um, on specific routes, often in um, covered wagons, and it was very uh, harrowing, and, and, and uh, a lot of people uh, didn't make it uh, all the way to or, uh, Oregon. But anyway, uh, the Oregon Trail, pioneering families collected large quantities of buffalo chips uh, buffalo chips, another word for just buffalo excrement, in lieu of scarce firewood. It has been used for many purposes in cooking fires and to combat the cold desert nights. Um, another use of manure is to make paper. I wanted to mention that as well. Um, this has been done with, uh, done with dung from elephants. And um, one of my friends, actually, who went to a zoo, I think it was um, the San Diego Zoo, brought me back a gift that was uh paper like a notepad made of uh panda excrement i have it right on my table i'm sure you've seen a hundred times i'll show it to you okay um so before we end this i just want to remind everyone that um there are reasons why you don't see certain animals excrement including humans often used, uh, there are reasons why you don't see certain animals' excrement being used as uh, as manure. And I want to mention, um, this includes pets like dogs and cats and humans, uh, but I want to read a couple things uh, just to remind people, the reason we don't use certain dung for uh, for for compost or for uh, manure is because they're, they can harbor uh, harmful organisms in their waste. Um, commercial compost operations are not, are, are, are able to bring compost to hot enough temperatures for long enough to kill off harmful bacteria. But um, typically people who are doing their own compost piles at home uh, uh, do not have that ability unless you leave um, the poop alone for years and then that that bacteria will die off. Um, but there are dangers to it. Um, but there are terms like humanure, which is a portmanteau for human and manure. Uh, there are ways uh, to use uh, human waste um, as compost, but it is a process that you have to be very careful with. And I wouldn't still, you know, directly put that on something like your broccoli that's that's growing, you know. Um, or something that's going to grow out from underneath the soil and just like touch all that poop. I would never feel comfortable. Um, but like if you use it, I, let's say at the the base of a tree, and if you do it right, um, there you should be able to compost your own feces. <laughs> Does it have to do with uh, the waste from animals that eat meat? I've thought about that. 
Um, and I wonder if uh, an animal's diet uh, has anything to do with that or if a human who does not eat meat. Um, but I don't know. I think that could be a whole debate. Uh, I wonder if there's been any research uh, into that and if there's any truth, like a vegetarian or vegan diet, if if, if that's easy, more easily compostable uh, or if there's like, you know, like digestive... I don't know, some sort of organisms within the whole digestive tract in a human being that is just bottom line bad for compost, no matter what you're eating. And I'm sure that could be then an argument for um, saying that human beings should be eating meat or that we're we're destined to eat meat or whatever, you know, like. Um, so I don't think I want to get into that conversation. Do you? <laughs> No, <laughs> it's just right a now. question. I just noticed a pattern. You're right. Because, so. I mean, like something like a cow or a horse, which is often, um, you know, used as, as compost um, or manure is, is, yeah. I mean, they're just eating grass and hay and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's really fibery. And yeah, you just, you see a lot of the fibers of mm-hmm. the hay and grass that they eat. Yeah. But so. of course, something like a, a, a the digestive process of a ruminant animal like a cow is very different from a human too. And so there are probably all sorts of uh, things to consider. Um, Just wanting to read, uh, I just want to read one more thing. Killing harmful bacteria in compost basically comes down to maintaining the compost at hot enough temperatures for long enough to complete the process. Um, So just bottom line, don't try to to, to compost your poop unless you've done your research. Uh, or your your pet's poop. Um, and that's all I got. That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Uh, do you have anything that you want to add? No. Uh, I guess we can end it here then. Uh, thanks for listening to Get the Word. And uh, remember, go to patreon.com slash the English sessions. Uh, and uh, just for, for $5 uh, per month, U.S. dollars per month, um, you can get exclusive content, including uh, episodes of Get the Word that we are going to um, release only on the Patreon account. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for talking with me, Mike. <laughs>